And we are on Hollywood Boulevard. It's Karen. It's Doug. Hey guys, how's everybody feeling? Seriously, truthfully, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Coronavirus week uh, one. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's there's a lot unknown, but we're here just to be your pals and and help get you through it. No matter where you are, working from home, sitting quarantined at home, um, wasting a little time with us is always a great thing. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't call wasting, Karen. No, 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 no. I think that is quality time spent. But you know, potato, potato. Exactly. Um, the point is, we're here and we're here for you. Um, so thank you for giving us some of your time and we hope that this either distracts you or, uh, can put you a little bit at ease, but we have some things to talk about here on Hollywood Boulevard. We do. Um, since uh, everything is closed. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal. You will not be getting any upcoming theater reviews from me anytime soon. There are even a, sh- a few shows that I have seen since our last podcast recording can't even talk about those because those never officially opened and nothing is playing now. So, and there are no movie theaters open, um, so no films. Oh, can we talk about the devastation? Yeah, we should. virus we, is we, like... We should. Yeah, hold, absolutely. Oh my God, they're holding up the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> this is how it really hits close to home. <laughs> Man, I saw I that and I was like, Yesterday, what? earlier this morning. My beloved told me that, yeah. Because, okay, so the thing is, right, and we haven't talked about this yet, because I, I because it just, it just hurt too bad. Okay, I finally saw, just hurt, it hurt my heart. I finally saw Hobbs and Shaw, pre-virus, by the way. I didn't realize you hadn't already seen it. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen it in theaters, which is like shocker, because, you know, The Rock's biggest fan right here, he's in it, I'll see it. Oh my God, it was terrible. And part of the reason why I didn't see it is because I really had a feeling that it was terrible. Like all the promos, the way The Rock was promoing it, I think he was like doing like Instagram from the, from the set and stuff like that. Like every time he was like posting something about it, I would kind of cringe because what it seemed like was happening, the producers this is just a tangent. We didn't even I didn't even mean to get into this. But I feel like the producers no, this is what we do quit like sort of like said hey like okay Dwayne Johnson and and Vin Diesel two of our biggest stars don't get along so let's give DJ his own movie and you know and we'll put him together with the British guy whose name just escaped me I know Jason Statham Jason Statham thank you um because they had good chemistry or you know they were good sort of like you know hate to love you friend enemies you know yeah and and so they and so basically like it was like it felt like it was Dwayne Johnson saying, and you know what else would be cool is if we added this. And so it was like this three hour fucking action comedy buddy movie that could have been done in an hour and a half, except that, you know, it's stars kept saying, but wouldn't it be awesome if we added in this, you know, (laughs) that's like, that's like what I felt like when I was watching it. Like they were just like adding like layer on top of layer on top of layer that didn't need to be there because The Rock thought it would be cool. Do you think it really was mandated by the stars? I felt parts. I felt like parts mm. of it were. I really did. I felt like parts of, parts of it were. And you and like said super unnecessary. You said that it was like part buddy comedy. Are and remember? I've still not seen any of them. Are the real Fast and Furious ones like typically funny, or are they a bit more dramatic? Uh, High stakes, dramatic. 
The first one was kind of high stakes dramatic, but then when you got into like the later ones that they actually had a really perfect blend of comedy and drama. So like, and sort of like, you know, and that sort of the, the cars and, and all that, because they added when Tyrese and, um, Ludacris joined those two characters and the guys playing them. I mean, for guys that aren't actors, these two are so charismatic and they were fantastic. They're like fantastic to watch in their roles on screen. Um, they were really the comic relief. They were super fun. They were super funny. Um, and, and so they brought a lot, a lot of the humor to the movies that weren't really there because let's face it, Vin Diesel, not funny. Yeah, that he, that's why one reason why I asked. He just strikes me as so self-serious and not funny. Like, so not funny. And I think, like, you know, he, you know, when you get to that, like, action star level, they always make you do some sort of, like, embarrassing kid comedy. With, like, the like pacifier? You know, like, like, kindergarten cop or whatever. Was yeah. his pacifier? Yeah. Because I know he did one. It was, I, I know, I didn't see it, but I, I know that his was the pacifier. Okay, yeah. And it was, like, the only one he did. Whereas, like, yeah. Schwarzenegger did a few. Like, I feel like who the only one that didn't was Bruce Willis, or did he, too? No. I mean, he did, like, Hudson Hawk, which was a huge failure. You know, Stallone did, like, Oscar and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Yeah, yeah they all did them. Yeah. They all did them. And so, um, and actually, I think The Rock did one, too. He's done some family. Yeah. Didn't he do The Game Plan? Was his... There might be others, there too. There probably others. So, anyway, yeah. like, Vin Diesel got one of those, and, and it was just one, and and it just quietly went away. Because that's not him. <laughs> that's not who he is. That's not... That's not... That ain't right, right? And so, like, Vin Diesel don't do comedy. Like, he's just not a comedy guy. Um. So, so Hobbs and Shaw is, like, hit that buddy movie thing between the two of them, and they're both, I mean... Love you, DJ. Not the best actor. Um, <laughs> you know, Jason Stath. I can never say his last name. I think that's part of the reason why I always forget his name. He's good for what he does when he veers off from that. Not so much. And this was a he veered off from like his his gotcha. thing. You know, he's very like you know go and be like the questionable like hero or questionable bad guy that's going to go in and like, you know, round kick some ass. And, and like, if that's, if that's what you do and you're good and that's great. And I love those. If you don't feel like you need to stretch, it's okay. Don't stretch as an actor. Just do the thing that you're really good at because we love watching it. You know what I mean? Um, so anyway, so that was a big disappointment. So I was super looking forward to like the next fast and the furious. Can you believe it's like number nine? I can believe it, yeah. Because those movies are just life. They're life. And, like, particularly after, like, the mess that was Hobbs and Shaw that I hope they don't do number two because Jesus Christ. Um, and then they, and then coronavirus killed it. Or it's, I mean, it's getting released I mean, later. I mean, all of these movies that do now have delayed releases, right? Yeah, pretty much. Like, everybody's delaying their, their releases, so... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this affects movies coming to streaming and on-demand features earlier. Um, I know there seems to be a lot of public social demand for that because people can't just sit at home without something new to watch. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if those habits of, of consumerism continue to change. It's really um, kind of amazing because when I was thinking about it the other day, because like the last time we were in like some sort of a lockdown situation was 9-11, right? Yeah. Um, 
And it, um, it, and nationally, more so, yeah. Because, like, there was Hurricane Sandy, but that was shorter-lived. Yeah, but not, I mean, those, you know, hurricanes, you're always kind of like, you, 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 I don't know, like, you're not sort of, like, stuck in your house, you're stuck in your house for, like, 12 hours while the storm is a-happening. You well, know, like, and- Sandy was a bit more than that, but, but yeah, I, you really have to go back to 9-11 for such a protracted, uh, widespread type of cancellation. Right. Right. And so that, that's sort of like, and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, wow, 9-11, like that was nearly 20 years ago. And yeah. so much has changed. Like Netflix was the video service that you got the DVDs in the mail. That was like a mail order. That was Netflix. Yeah. And I didn't even know that Netflix existed at that point. It was mm-hmm. like a year or two more before I discovered it. Yeah. Yep. No, we had Netflix. We had Netflix. Um, so, and it was like, you know, Urban Fetch was delivering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> toilet paper <laughs> and yeah for those of you who did not listen to our preceding podcast karen is uh in dire straits and she needs some new toilet paper i need some soon. tp guys they cleaned out my the stores around me before i was able to like go get my tp so um but yeah it's really funny i actually back in the day urban fetch toilet paper simply because I could like, you know, I mean, it's so funny because delivery is so ubiquitous now. Like everybody that like, you can get your groceries delivered. You get so much delivered Amazon deliver, you know, but back then it was like a novelty to get that much. Yeah. Delivery. Oh it was yeah, like, definitely. yeah. It was such a novelty. Um, you know, you get cigarettes that they, they <laughs> delivered cigarettes to me. Um, I don't think we could, de- they delivered beer. I, I don't think they did that. Probably not. No. Um, but anyway, um, but I remember like sort of like back then it was like you had your cable channels, you didn't have streaming and there was no social media. So staying connected was actually a really difficult thing. And like, I see people like kind of like, you know, um, particularly the youngins, <laughs> my kid, <clears throat> um, you know, who seems like a little bit bored, you know, and I'm kind of like, wow, like, like good thing you weren't allowed around during nine 11, like where you were just like, you know, I mean, I guess at least you could, like, well, that's the thing. I mean, it's like house, a chicken or but... egg thing. Like, yeah, people were also better at being alone and finding ways to not be bored in their own company. Um, 15, 20 years ago and 10 years before that and 20 years before that. Like it's, you know, the cycle of, of, of all of our habits changing. Now people are freaking out, not even because of what this virus might turn out to be, but just because like, oh my God, I can't go out. I can't be in groups. I, I'm home for so long. What can I do? I'm like, there's always stuff to do around the house. There's stuff to watch. There's stuff to read. Like boredom has never been a problem for me. No, I am actually like so di- Like I am just like, this was the crisis that was made for me. Oh, you don't want me to leave my house? Yeah, okay. Right. I'm totally fine with that. I've got so much to read and I've got like movies I want to watch. Like, like this is like prime catch up time, you know? <laughs> yeah, and, and to that point, guys, so we can't tell you a lot about what's new, what's out there, because there isn't a lot out there and we're not out there. Um, but we can start catching up on things. So we're going to talk to you about a couple of the things we have caught up on in the last few days, right? I have just about fully caught up with the exception of one episode um, with Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop show on Netflix. So tell me more. Okay. So this is a quest, a, a bit of a quest for me where I um, don't. Okay. Let, let me sort of back this up. Um I don't know if we've discussed this before, um, but I hate Gwyneth Paltrow. 
Which is one of the reasons why I wanted to get your take on this. Okay. Yeah. So I hate Gwyneth and, um, and like, and I've hated Goop from like the beginning, right? Like I've absolutely hated Goop from the beginning. I remember back in like 2008, I think when she founded it, it was somewhere around 2008. Um, I signed up for the emails cause I was like, well, what the hell is this about? And I started getting the emails from her and I was making like, I was, I had a blog at the time and I was like basically making fun of her in this blog post because like this stuff was just over the top, like ridiculous, overly expensive, um, super woo woo. Like it was just like, and I was like, what the hell does this privileged white girl, you know, grew up in Hollywood, uber wealthy. Like, you know, what does she even know? Like, what is she Which know? is the common criticism of her and of Goop. Well, one of the big criticisms. Yes. Right. So like, so Goop has continued, um, my mocking aside, which I will say is really funny. I never unsubscribed to the emails from Goop, but for some reason I was taken off their list. And <laughs> I always to this day wonder if like they came across one of my scathing howlers about her that was like, lingering on the internet. But anyway, I digress. So I, so I saw like, you know, I guess a couple months ago it came out or maybe like in January, um, Netflix had turned. Yes. It was January. Yes. Into the goop lab. So when Gwyneth started goop, it was basically her at her kitchen. She had like just had her kids. I think she was still married to Chris Martin. And she basically started this newsletter at her kitchen table in London where she just was like, I'm just going to talk about like the shit that I buy. Like that was basically like her whole business plan. And I'm going to put it in this email newsletter. and I'm going to send it out to people. And now goop has turned into like this whole thing. Um, after I watched the, the episode, I actually went to the website for the first time in ages and it is basically a storefront. They sell goop merch. They sell, um, I think she has her own like beauty product line sold through goop. Um, they sell other people's shit. It's all ridiculously expensive, like $240 joggers, right? Like it is still yeah. unbelievably expensive. And, and I guess like since then they've really gotten known for like, w- like her promoting really, really wacky health stuff, like, um, steaming that, va- you know, steaming your vagina for women. Right. Um, Jade eggs was another one. Um, it usually has to do with women's sexuality. I will say that about like the criticism that gets sort of lobbed on her. Um, I actually listened to a podcast with, um, her, her partner, her partner, the chief content officer of goop, Elise Lowen, Lonen, L O E H N E N. And I was really impressed with her and she sounded really smart. And when you when you say the podcast, do you mean the actual Goop podcast? No, not the Goop oh, okay. podcast. Okay, because I do subscribe to that. No, I have not subscribed to that yet, but I will be. But no, it was. Um, I think it was Hello. It's Hello Monday. I think it's LinkedIn's podcast. Um, oh all, like, yes. Business leaders, and they had her on, and she had some really interesting things to say about Goop the brand, but also about. Gwyneth Paltrow as sort of like basically and, and talking about these things about like the jade eggs and about the vaginal, um, about the vaginal steaming. Right. And what was really interesting and the sort of point was, right, is that the steaming, for example, that is actually a thing that is done in Korean spas, which 
I was not aware of, right? But it turns out that that no. is actually a thing. In, it's not something that, like, Gwyneth made up. It's not something that um, sort of, like, some, like, rando spot in America is doing and charging, like, a gazillion dollars, and Gwyneth decided that it was a good idea. And it was never Gwyneth sort of necessarily promoting it, although you can say if you're writing about it, you are promoting it in some way. If you just, as a curator, if you decide that you're going to write about something, then you are promoting it. But it was this idea that, like, this thing existed well before Gwyneth ever wrote about it, but it seemed like it was going to be mocked simply because it was in goop. Right. And well, I, can we... Let's, yeah. let's pause for a second. The, the, the reason why Gwyneth gets a lot of shit, and I'm neither here nor there on her. She's not one of my favorites, but I don't make sport of hating on her. She's just a very lucky woman, and I think probably to her credit, very smart. Um, but the thing about Goop is that she does promote these things that are, we say aspirational, which really just means like exclusive, like really, really expensive, often frivolous that not everyone can enjoy. Right. So if you're, so if you're promoting them as like, these are really helpful lifestyle items but these are also one percent kind of items and treatments and that sort of thing you know and Gwyneth did say like well I can't pretend that I'm someone who just makes twenty dollars an hour which is both honest and elitist um so I mean I I can see why where a lot of the ill will derives from well, here's the thing, right, is sort of like watching her on the Netflix show, which is called Goop Lab, like all of a sudden I found her really endearing. Okay, that's what I was going to ask if the show did. And, you know, what I find almost refreshing about that, well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm somebody that makes $20 an hour because I'm not. And yeah, that does smack as something like really kind of gross and awful, but I will but it's say also true. it's, it's true. also self-aware. She is so self-aware and that really comes through and she is like up for it. Like she is up for doing these like weird things. Like they do like they go off and like they have like this psychedelic um, retreat weekend where they all take magic mushrooms and they have their moments and like, like it's, and like she is up for it and she's doing these things and they're completely wacky and wild, but they're super kind of interesting. Um, you know, and also, but, but to sort of jump back to uh, what you were saying about the aspirational qualities, well, you know what? So is Vogue magazine. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, she's not alone. No, yeah, absolutely not. She's not, not. alone. And, and nobody is criticizing Anna Wintour no. for putting aspirational things in her magazine, but they are crit criticizing Gwyneth. And let me tell you, I would have criticized her, you know, six months ago. I would have absolutely criticized her. I still kind of criticize and, and, Ed. And, and look, you can say the same thing. This is not a one-sided gender thing. Like, you could say the same thing about Esquire magazine or Vanity right. Fair. I right. mean, like, right. the, the, these are definitely other elitist publications and, you know, elitist platforms. Right. But what I think is sort of like really interesting to look at like Gwyneth, and first of all, like I was totally expecting her staff to be like the whitest bread you've ever seen. She has a super diverse staff. And that doesn't surprise me. Again, going back to the self-awareness thing. Because yeah. if you've ever spent any amount of time like watching her do public appearances, like she's on to everything she is smart she laughs at everything like she she is certainly aware of her station and what she can do with it and what she does with it okay. 
So, I mean, you know, it's sort of interesting too, because, you know, part of it, part of the thing that sort of bugged me about her and bugged me about Goop was that I felt like she was kind of like, you know, taking on these wellness topics and she didn't, and, and she just wasn't like, she was making some sort of medically dangerous claims around the, like, mm-hmm. I felt like there were like these, cause sometimes wellness is tricky. Okay. Like, and there are a lot of shams in wellness. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of preying on people's vulnerability. Um, and so that always also made me very uncomfortable with goop, but I will say this is, um, my own personal experience with moving into alternative medicine and alternative healing mm-hmm. the past couple of months also kind of changed my mind. Like, I still think there is some wacky shit that was going on there. Like, she had the last episode that I watched, which was the next to the last episode. They were doing energy work. She was like, and I was just like, what the hell is going on in this episode? I don't know what the fuck this is. Energy work like Reiki or something Kind of like a Reiki, yeah, where he was like, he was like, like the, the practitioner was like pulling on their energy fields and I don't know what the fuck was going on except that like some of them looked like they were getting an exorcism and they were <laughs> crying and there was some moaning going on and then they said they felt like they needed to sleep for three hours and I was like I don't even understand this but okay you do you you know so some of that I think is still like a little bit weird but then there was an episode um that was really kind of amazing where they took and Gwyneth did it and Elise did it. And then one other person, it was like their marketing person did it and they took their blood and based on what the blood typing, whatever they did, whatever test they ran it through, they, it, it gave you your sort of your age, not necessarily your chronological age, but your health age, health age right? Yeah. And so they had the health age done and then they went off and did, the women went off and did these different diets. So one did pure vegan one did um, pescatarian, and then Gwyneth did. Uh, it was like a, it was a fast, but I, it wasn't like a true fast because you actually had specific food that you had to eat, like the, that this doctor had made. So it was like two soups, and like you know. So, and basically, I had ju- I've recently came off a fast, um, which I think we talked. Did we talk about it? Because I was always hungry. Yeah, time and I was yeah. dying. Yeah, <laughs> yes. um, back in January, and. And it was kind of similar to Gwyneth in that, like, I had, um, I, I didn't not eat or only have water. There were two days a week where I was having, you know, straight, like, this, this, like, powder that I would have to put in water that it was, like, it was my vitamin bomb, basically. Like, I think that's why I don't have COVID-19 is because I have <laughs> been on, like, ridiculous amounts of vitamins since January. Um, and so, she, so she's, so she did this fasting thing And, um, but it was, it wasn't like a true fast and it turned out like when they retested the blood, her numbers went down more than the vegan, more than the pescatarian. And in terms of like, you know, your, your age, your biological aging. And, and I thought that was really interesting because there has been sort of like medical studies now that are proving that fasting actually is better for you, whether you're doing intermittent fasting or you're like, you know, every couple of months, like doing like some sort of a fast, as long as you're not like, it's not like anorexia. It's not like you're starving Mm -hmm. yourself as long as you are sort of like a 24 hour fast or, you know what I mean? You're just doing it for a very limited amount of time. It's actually very, very healthy for you to do it. 
Interesting. Yeah. So, so I thought that was really interesting. And so I don't know if it's because now that I've sort of like moved a little bit away from Western medicine and moved into sort of like more alternative modalities and working with alternative practitioners, which again, we're going to say, you know, privilege alert, like this shit's really expensive, Yeah. you know, and like, I, and I wasn't going to do it you know, for, for myself, because I knew like when I like, I was like, that's an eye popping amount of money that I'm going to be spending on this. But you know, I hadn't been feeling well for like 15 years and I kept going to doctors and I kept burning through my copays, you know, every year to continually not feel good, you know, burning through my deductible. And so finally I was like, I could continue to pay doctors through this deductible that I have to pay down, um, and still feel bad. Or I can, pay this alternative medicine person. And what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm not going to feel good. You know, we've already, we've already done that, you know? And, and I have to say, like, I feel so much better. Like physically. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever is going on with me, whatever she's treating, however she's doing it, like it's fucking working. And so that's why I'm like, you know, with whatever Gwyneth is promoting and yes, yeah, but like, this shows that there may be some merit to that, is which is some, important. Absolutely. There might be some merit to it and we shouldn't just disregard it because it's Gwyneth Paltrow and we have an issue with her. Cause like I said, though, watching her on this, she is so endearing and I'm like, I want to go hang out with you. You are so awesome. And the other thing that I wanted to bring out that I think also sort of like surrounds the criticism with like, this is part of the criticism with her going back to like the jade eggs and the vagina steaming and all of that. They're really picking on her when she does things that kind of like embrace or talk about or look at healthy women's sexuality, you know? And I think that as a culture, we have such issues with women. We have such issues with women being sexual beings. There is like a lot of hate. I mean, let's face it. Like this country is so like would rather have a socialist president than a woman. Do you know what right. I mean? Like yeah. that's no, how much, that's how much our culture despises women. And I think that there is just a lot of misogyny um, wrapped up in in those those particular criticisms because those are the ones yeah. that people are always harping on. Uh, yeah, I think when all is said and done, history, one of the, the big threads you will see about our country and our society is how scared we are by sex and how frightened the patriarchy is by female sexuality. And you can see that it governs everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's absolutely a part of it. So, you know, I mean, I, I can't say that this is for everyone. I can't say that there weren't moments where I was kind of bored. Um, you know, it's not must-see TV. But if you're kind of into it, it's really interesting to watch. If you're into alternative healing, healing modalities or you're curious, you know, um, there is there is some cool stuff that she goes and explores. And like I said, I was, like, really down with that, that episode where they did the blood tests and they sort of saw... You know, that one I thought was really fascinating because they had a doctor and they really dug into the science behind it. Well, uh, yeah, I really I, cool. as long as they have the science to back it, I'm I'm all in for it. Yeah, I w- totally wasn't there for the energy healing. But, hey, you know what? If it works for you, it works for you and you right. do you. Right. You know, please. Um, so, yeah. So if you're into that thing, into that sort of thing, I, I would say, yeah, let's I would I would check it out. Good to know. Um, <laughs> if time continues to permit as it seems it might, I will definitely get to it. 
So what did you stream? So we're catching up on TV from, I guess, from the last year. Um, so what we did is we watched the most recent seasons of a couple shows that we really liked that took us by surprise on Netflix. And one was Glow, which we just saw its third season. And one was The Kaminsky Method, which we just saw its second season. Uh, Glow, it's 10 episodes. And even though it's a comedy, each episode is more like 40 to 42 minutes. Um, and it's kind of odd because there isn't a lot of plot to govern the entirety of, uh, of the whole season. It's more, it's more just like little moments. They don't all coalesce into something bigger and some threads, including like, you know, one character's eating disorder and another character's like midlife crisis sort of seem to go away. I was a little disappointed by the structuring of, um, the plot for these 10 episodes. Um, but at the same time, I still give a lot of credit. It's still one of the best ensembles on TV, and it's also one of the most real ensembles. Mm-hmm. For all the talk of diversity, um, what you don't see a lot of is body diversity on TV, and um, Genji Cohen created this, and also did Orange is the New Black. Um, it's the same thing. You get a lot of women who all look different, and who all look real, and who really embody what the real world is like. And so I can't ever give it enough props um, for doing that. Uh, this season was uh, took place in Vegas, which is where the ladies of wrestling uh, are performing. And, um, you know, everyone on the show is great, including, I think, Mark Marin doing his career yeah. best work. He's so uh, great. Specifically this season. He's really hit a performance sweet spot where he underplays everything just the right way and only brings his sort of real life neuroses into it so much. Mm. So, um, good on him. And, um, I do recommend it though. I, if you haven't seen the show yet, definitely start from the beginning. I think the first season is still the best. And then the second season is also a slight bit better than, than the third. And, you know, the Kaminsky method, which is Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. I wanted um, to see that one. I have not seen that one yet. Oh my God. It goes down like candy. It's, uh, you know, eight episodes and, and before you know it, each one is over and it's one of the most bingeable things we've seen. And we were really shocked how much we took to the first season. I knew I was going to like Alan Arkin in it because he's one of the greats. Um, but you know, it's a Chuck Lorre property. So he did a lot of those like, uh, two and a half men yeah. and like he does. Um, comfort food is not the right word, but like fast food kind of TV. Right. That kind of works. Um, and there's a lot of that. There's very like pseudo borscht belt humor, especially because these are guys in their seventies that are talking mm-hmm. about their lives. They're, I love you know, that. <laughs> there's a lot of scatological humor, definitely a lot of like sexual humor on the show. But again, it's got a great cast of, Oh, look who this is. Look who this person is. Look who's back here. Um, Nancy Travis from the Three Men and a Baby movie, and I guess what was she on? Was it the Bill Engvall show? She's on, no Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. I guess was her last big thing, and I've always loved her. She's great on the show. Um, Sarah Baker is a young actress who plays Michael Douglas's daughter, and she's wonderful. Um, again, an actress, quote unquote, of size. Um, where that doesn't influence anything about the character it's just about her being his daughter right. paul riser is a new addition to the season he's wonderful jane seymour who i've kind of never liked at all is on this season and she's wonderful um 
this is this is like top notch acting. And so for four hours, completely diverting. And I really have to say, Paul Reiser has some wonderful moments. Now he's done a lot of TV um, recently, not just the reboot of Mad About You and on Stranger Things on Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's even done some other stuff like Red Oaks on Amazon Prime. Um, but he's particularly good uh, uh, in this season of Kaminsky Method. So, so both of those are really good. And, um, you know, talking about body diversity, uh, we have also seen Shrill, which is a Hulu show starring A.D. Bryan based yeah, on Lindy Yeah, how Fred. is that? It's good plus. Um, it's good because... Well, first of all, I think A.D. Bryant is great and still underrated um, and doesn't get to do quite as much as she should on SNL. Um, won't, obviously, for the rest of this season. Um, because it doesn't shy away from the fact that it is about a fat woman, but not all the stories are about her size. It doesn't look away from that, but it doesn't govern all of the stories. I don't love all of the stories, though. That's, part, that's why I, I say good plus and not great. I think so far they're still kind of derivative and predictable um but not without its charm and i don't know if you know who plays her mother on the show but it's julia sweeney of it's pat fame on snl and it's nice to see her yeah yeah i can see Um, where it'd be nice to see her she's fantastic yeah so so a plus for the acting though i wish i wish the writing was a little bit better but um it's definitely a show i will continue watching and i'm not sure if it has already been renewed for a third season on Hulu, but my guess is we'll see it come back. Um, And then there's another show that I don't know if you know anything about called You, which was on Lifetime and is now on Netflix. They're doing its second and ongoing seasons based on the novel by Caroline Knepi. Yeah, I think we've talked about this on here before, too, because I I saw this. Oh, you did see it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen seen the whole, I haven't gone, I have, I've seen a couple of the first, uh, first season, not the full, not the full, okay, not the full, but it is really great and super creepy. I wish it were creepy-er. Really? Yes. And so we've seen all of the first season, which takes place in New York. And I recognized a lot of the spots when I filmed, which is always a treat. And the subsequent seasons on the Netflix version of it are done in L.A. So I haven't seen those. Um, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Enough that I don't know when I'll go back to keep watching subsequent seasons. Um, And part of it is I don't really like this sort of takedown of millennial culture that it it almost is doing, but not quite. Um, And... And to me, neither he is fully interesting, nor is the girlfriend slash, like, target of his. And I don't know if you kept watching if you would disagree with me or if you would think more like me. If you ever get back into the season, I'd be curious. I'll let you know, I I was... For this one, I mean, I haven't, I haven't like sat down with it in, in like, two, like two months. I think I might have been like kind of picked it up again around Christmas and then just you know let it go. Um, I love the premise of it. Um, she bothered me as the character, and I just was like, can't you just kill her now? Um, 
<laughs> you know, as he's like going on these murdering sprees. And I'm like, why don't you just kill her? That would be great. Um, I found her really annoying. Um, well, she's annoying at the beginning. And then I feel like they pull too many punches with her character later on. And that becomes a bigger problem. Interesting. Okay. that Okay. We haven't. I don't think that we've gotten there yet, but I thought, um, and I never watched Gossip Girl, so I didn't know Penn Bag- Badgley at all, um, and I thought he was really good in yeah, terms I think of, like, fits, being a creep. I think he fits the role really well. Yeah. Um, to yeah. me, it is kind of a uh, Dexter wannabe, and I think Dexter was fantastic, and I don't mm-hmm. think this is quite that well i think part of the problem is we need to sympathize with joe more than we right, that, do that's the right that is the 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 murderer protagonist played by penn Badgley. right which, and we know too little about him throughout even though he is the narrator of the show um we still know too little about him uh for me to think anything other than like well he is a fucking murderer yeah, like he's protective of the little boy that lives next door yeah. and is has an abusive stepdad or dad. I can't. I think it was a stepdad. Yeah. Um. You know, he's like, like you know, he's a book nerd. He's, you know, so there are all these little things that get sprinkled in that are are there that are sort of like supposed to make us care about like like him so that we are we allow him to do what he's doing and not be like you know oh my god this guy is Hannibal Lecter you know what I mean like like as exactly sort of and, like, and there remains some of that sprinkled in yeah. yeah like this sort of like likable character even though he's doing these monstrous things you kind of relate to him and almost feel like well we'll just let that go you know <laughs> I understand why, he, why he's doing that but I don't think that they gave us enough of that where we are 100% invested in loving That's him, exactly where right. we're going to cheer yeah. him on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, um, and if anything, and they've made her in the first couple of episodes, I feel like so unlikable that like, I'm also not necessarily a concerned about her life um, and him doing something to her. I like really don't care and, and be like, it's not, it's not helping him in terms of, of the likability factor. Cause you're just sort of sitting there going, why are you going through all this for her? Yeah. Yeah. And there's also another thing, which, cause she is an MFA student writing as her passion. And there's a, there's nothing worse when people do like a, a book within a book or literature within a movie or whatever. And it, we're supposed to take this as like, Oh, this is the real thing. This is really good stuff. And it's actually like terrible. Because it's trying so hard to look good. Right. So every time they show her character writing and you get to hear what she has come up with, you're like, this is actually drivel. Like, I don't believe in you as this writer because the stuff that's written is just so bad. Um, so there is that, which there was more of, I think, as the season progressed beyond what you saw. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole the whole MFA thing to storyline was pretty insufferable like and it was weird like it sounds like like i didn't hate it that's the thing like i kept watching it but i feel like oh yeah i kept watching i feel like i kept watching it because i just wanted it to get better yeah does that make sense like i was watching it because i was like get better get better yeah yeah i was rooting for it and it didn't it didn't work for me which doesn't mean it won't work for some of you out there right i i don't think it's for everyone however um, and I want to say, you mentioned the, the 
kid in the apartment next door yes. with the abusive stepfather. I actually saw him on stage in the School of Rock musical. He was really cute. Oh, that's awesome. He's a kid. Yeah, cutie. so that's that. Um, and one, uh, there's an actress in a couple of episodes who is one of the nasty performers I dealt with in my tenure. Uh, she was a member of the labor union I worked at at the job before mine. Um, and I really had a lot of problems with her and she was awful. And so I did not like her in this show. <laughs> well, shoot. Oh my God. There was somebody in the show. Wow. So, you know, my last job was a labor union where there were a lot of performers and she was a performer on the show. How interesting. I had no idea. Every now and then, yeah, I see someone that I worked with a lot in that capacity. And I'm like, well, I know the real you. And some of them are lovely. She was not. Oh, we'll discuss after. You will go. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, did you stream anything else? Um, gosh, you know what? You've been busy. We, we Well, we go to town. I mean, when we have free time, because... Listeners, my schedule is typically I'm out the door by 8 a.m. And most nights I'm home around 10, 30, 11, 11, 30 p.m. So there's not a lot of watching in between. And that includes weekends sometimes, too, that we're gone for a long spell. We're not doing that this week. So we can dive into some of the things on our list. We're almost done watching the newest season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. So we'll talk about that more next week or the week after, um, depending when we do the next Hollywood Boulevard. Um, And... By that point, we will have probably seen the first couple episodes of the new season of Westworld, which at this point is a show I'm not really feeling, so we'll see if that changes, because they've sort of done their own, like, version 3.0 of that. Interesting. Um, but I'm going to keep throwing out a couple movies as these COVID-19 uh, episodes uh, move forward. Um, I'm going to recommend some of my all-time favorite movies. So I'm going to start with the dramatic one, which is, uh, you know, has some direct parallels to what um, we're going through. And that is a movie called Testament. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, no, I have not. It's from 1983, and it stars Jane Alexander and William Devane as a couple. I think they have four daughters. I might be remembering it wrong. They might just be four kids. And it's one of those post-nuclear Holocaust movies like The Day After, which was Ooh. kind of like a bad miniseries. So this was a feature film that came out. Um, and and it is the wake of nuclear holocaust and what happens. Um, and it's a, I think, beautifully made and profound movie. Jane Alexander was nominated for Best Actress for it, and it's one of the best performances I have ever seen, certainly from her, who was a Tony-winning and Emmy-winning actress, Four nominations for Oscars. Never won. Should have won. Um, it's a beautiful movie. It's a dramatic movie, though. It's not for everyone, potentially, especially not right now. Um, <laughs> especially. <laughs> but Might it not does, be a good one to but, see right now, yeah. But the world we're living in right now does call that movie to mind. And I'm honestly not sure if it's even streaming anywhere. Uh, but if you can find it, uh, Testament. Jane Alexander in that movie is spectacular. Um, and it's directed by Lynn Littman, who's a really talented director, editor, documentarian, uh, really wonderful filmmaker who, um, mostly did her, uh, followed her career through, uh, television and at a different time might've had more feature work. Um, wow. so there's Testament. Okay. on to something lighter. Another one of Doug's all time favorite movies. Gremlins 2, the new batch. 
Did you ever see that? No, because I kind of barely liked Gremlins. This is actually a very different turn, because Gremlins was, like, a pretty uh, genuine, like, horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Gremlins 2 has all those monsters, and, and the cute gizmo, he's back. But it's a comedy. It's basically, like, the funniest live-action cartoon. It's actually a really satirical look at uh, Donald Trump's New York in 1990. So the, Gremlins 1 was set in, like, small-town middle America, and now Phoebe Cates and... Um, uh, what's his name? Billy Peltzer is the character. What is the actor's Zachy Galligan have moved to New York and they work in a fictitious version of Trump Tower for a fictitious tycoon that kind of melds Donald Trump and Ted Turner. Um, there's even a Marla Maples-esque character in the thing. And so it's the Gremlins take over Manhattan. But it's very funny and it's very knowing and it's actually like really clever in terms of like who some of like the new versions of the monsters are. I've always loved it. Uh, it's a really playful, less horror type movie as, as the gremlins movies go. Um, and it is coming up on its 30th anniversary. So that's something that's completely different. And, and if you want to see one, what is what I think one of the best send ups of our current president, John Glover, uh, as I think Daniel Clamp, is his name, is your best bet. Wow, okay. That's so, something that I might try. So, um, and that's, you've got to be able to find that somewhere. I'll look into it and see see where that might be, and, and I'll put it on our uh, Facebook page. Excellent. But um, but yeah, so, so guys, let us know how you're all doing um, and what you're streaming to help get you through your uh, shelter-in-place or quarantine or whatever you might be dealing with. Um, and if you guys know any toilet paper that Karen can acquire, uh, let us know that as well. Yeah, let me know. Send it over. Send it my way. I um, We're not quite desperate yet, but we will be pretty soon. <laughs> uh, I wish you luck and keep heading into town and, and seeing what you can do. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, head on over to iTunes. Give us five stars because it's the apocalypse and we don't want to die without them. This is this is actually the best way to avoid any germs. Is a five star uh, iTunes review. I know those five stars. It's like bleach. That's right. The CDC has approved. Yes, yeah, CDC approved five stars for us. Um. So yeah, I guess um. No Hollywood Boulevard next week because we are we'll, we'll probably end up having an extended uh back on the block Melrose conversation because the next episode is a long one. That's right. It's one of those special two-parters. Um, but we do hope that you will find us back there for that extended uh, uh, Back on the Block episode. Exactly. You guys be well. Take care of yourselves. Stay um, safe. Stay, stay good. Stay safe. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you back on the block. Bye. Bye.